God designed all of us for relationships, where people are investing in the lives of others. Discipleship works best within life-on-life -life engagement. Modeling what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, follow me as I follow Christ. A couple weeks ago, we made an announcement, or our third service update, and if you weren't here, I needed to repeat it again. We received a lot of, over the last number of months, a lot of interest to launch a Thursday night service in September, so a lot of people were interested in coming, and even online, people were saying, I can't come on the weekends, I'm looking forward to this Thursday night service, but we did not... Uh, have enough, uh, you know, musicians and tech and guest services to really launch in September. So we announced several weeks ago we're putting a pause on that service. We're going to maybe try to launch that after the first of the year, maybe in February, and give time for God to move and people to say, hey, I, I can use this uh, ability uh, to help with this service. I'm not stressed. I'm not worried or disappointed because it's not my service. It's God. So when God is ready to to uh, supply um, our needs, um, we'll, we'll, we'll put on a third service and have reached more people. Uh, by the way, Mike, you're here. Mike was in a horrible accident months and months ago, and you're here. I don't know if you were here last week because I wasn't here, but it's good to see you, Mike. Good to see you. Well, we are finishing up today our summer teaching series called Disciples Making Disciples, and we've been teaching you, here's some things you need to know, but you can't just know them, you have to own them, and then you must share them. You've got to know them, and, and, and then own them, and then share them. So we talked about be a disciple making disciples, a follower making other followers of Jesus, then they have to learn how to live a spirit-filled Christian life, experiencing the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that resides in us once we trust in Jesus. And if you missed any of these, you can go on our Grace Point Kids app YouTube uh, channel, and they're all there. We talked about telling my faith story, how to tell your faith story. I walked you through some ways you can tell your, what God has done in your life. Then sharing God's story of redemption. Gave you a couple examples of here's some pictures, here's some tools so that you can share God's story of redemption. And then we talked about where do we find our identity and assurance of our salvation. And we talked about how it's found in Christ. A lot of positive feedback, a lot of emotion that came out of that message. Fantastic. Then uh, Pastor Bob talked about living a life of prayer. Talk, he walked you through that. And then last week, uh, Pastor TJ was talking about how to feed yourself, how to feed yourself. So today, we are finishing with understanding our role in the church that God has us to be a part of, our role in the church. Now today, when you mention church, I'm not talking just Graceborn Church, really any church, there's a lot of emotion. There's people that like, I love it, and emotion of like, I, I, I don't like it. I was bored as a child, you know, and I believe it's a sin to bore anybody with the Bible. Or, or you know, I was disillusioned by the church, or I was hurt by the church, and, and I, I, I saw hypocrisy, and I saw dysfunctional, unhealthy leadership, and sadly, that, that happens a lot. And so people have this 
bad taste in their mouth when it comes to church. So then they stopped coming. Uh, years ago, I was reading all these statistics. I can't say that word early in this morning. Statistics about pastors' children, pastors' kids, and how they walk, they walk away from the church when they're older. Dug a little deeper into it, and it's, there's a lot of examples is, well, my, the church hurt my dad. Or my dad was so at church, he ignored us. He was a workaholic. But the number one reason why pastor's kids bail on church, sometimes even God, is because the father they saw at church was vastly different than the father they lived with at home. And to them it was a game. This whole God church thing's a game. That is also the number one reason why any child, teenager, young adult walks away from the church, even God, is that they didn't see a consistent walk, an authentic walk in their parents. Now, that's not the only reason, because there's some fantastic parents who their children have made their own decisions away from God in the church, but that is the number one reason. So, my long-term prayer for my kids, when they were, st- some of them still in diapers, is I pray this all the time. This is a still good prayer if you have little kids at home. God, please help my children to love Jesus and love his church. Lord, please help my children love Jesus and love his church. Thankfully, right now, as of today, all three of my adult children are now all married. Two of them have their families and they still love Jesus and they love his church. I, I like praying specific and to see God answer specific. So I fully realize when I talk about what's your role in the church, some of you are like, I'm not getting involved because I did that. I done that. And I'm not doing that again. I understand that many people, sadly, many people don't have not had an experience at church that where the church was God honoring, life giving, and healthy. It wasn't a healthy experience. I, 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 I'm sorry for that. But I'm, I'm praying that some of you will go through that hurt and get to the other side and actually experience, especially here at Grace Point, a healthy church experience. So what I need to do today as we wrap up this series is walk you through, kind of realign the church the way it was designed and then what is your role in the church that God has called you today. So we're gonna talk about realignment. Now, if you ever had to have realignment done on your car, okay, you realize there's a problem because our cars, see if, see, see if you can stay with me, are supposed to go straight. If we take our hands off the wheel and you tap the brake and it turns or drifts one way or another, you have an alignment problem and it needs to get realigned. And if you don't fix it, the tires are not going to wear evenly. They will wear unevenly. You'll ruin your tires. In churches, a church is supposed to go in a specific direction. And when any church drifts to one side or the other, they have an alignment problem back to the original design. And they won't ruin and destroy tires, they will ruin and destroy people who will forever have a warped view of church. 
So if you're taking, uh, if you take your Bibles, I turn to First Peter chapter five. I'm going to really help us help us realign the purpose, direction, the design of the church, and then your role in it. If you are a follower of Jesus, now if you're not a follower of Jesus, you you can just watch, and you probably help you answer some questions that you had or or concerns you've always had about church. Like yeah, yeah, I can see why that church is, wasn't healthy. And so hopefully I can encourage you that there are churches that are healthy because they're aligned properly. Now we'll get to 1 Peter 5 in just a moment, but if you're taking notes, you can fill in these blanks. Every disciple is called to be an active participant in helping their church accomplish their mission. Every disciple, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you... you God's word is very clear that you are called to be an active participant. You are to be fully engaged, not being a spectator, not being up in the, up in the stands cheering, go team down there. No, you're on the field and you're engaged with us. Be an active participant in helping your church accomplish their mission. Now there's a number of phrases that I really like about the church. The best one is, what Jesus said. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, when a church is aligned to the, the, the design of scripture, the way Jesus designed the church, when a church is aligned, all hell can break loose in the society, but they're still gonna thrive. They're still gonna keep moving forward and hell will not stop it. It's when churches drift and they, they go into the ditch that those churches flame out. It's not Jesus' fault. It's the church's fault and the leadership's fault because they were not aligned with the design that Jesus set up. Another quote is this, that the church is God's number one agent to change the world. Now, there are a lot of parachurch organizations and we partner with many of them. But the number one agent is the church. That's the God's, God's design. This phrase, I'm going to read this so I don't, don't botch it up. It says, you can be committed to church, but not committed to Christ. I have seen that in my many years in church. People are serving like crazy, but they have lost connection with Christ. So you can be committed to church, but not committed to Christ but you cannot be committed to Christ and not be committed to church. Did you catch that? You cannot be committed to Christ and at the same time not be committed to church. Now, there's this phrase, like I just don't, I don't like the church. I can worship God without going to church. What you're saying to Jesus is that I love you, but I really hate your bride. That's offensive to the groom. <laughs> I, I love you, but can't stand your bride. Need to find a healthy church and be engaged. An old evangelist called Billy Sunday, who under his ministry, my wife's grandparents accepted Christ many, many, many years ago. He said this, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to a garage makes you an automobile. Going to church is helpful, but there's way more to it. Part of it is finding your role and being engaged with it. So let me walk you through to realignment of the design of the church with this first question is, 
why does the church exist? Why did Jesus start the church? Okay, that's the purpose for your notes. That's the purpose. Why does the church exist? Well, our purpose is on the big wall in our lobby. It's to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. That is our purpose. That is our aim. That is why we exist. Now, we can do lots of other things, and we can get distracted with even good things and supporting good causes, but if we forget the purpose of why we exist, we will drift off to one side or another. This is... This statement here, help people meet and follow Jesus, is nothing new. It's taken from the passage Pastor TJ was in last week from Matthew 28, which says this. This is where we get this from. Jesus said, therefore, go and do what? Make disciples, meaning there are people that are not following Jesus, and then after you lead them to Christ, they are to now start following Jesus. Go make disciples of all nations, all over the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Every time we do a baptism, the words we use before we dunk them, and we make sure we bring them back up, is we baptize you in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why do we say that? Because Jesus said, baptizing baptizing them in this name. And then he goes on to say, and teaching them, the new disciples, to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So from these two verses comes our mission statement to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Now there was a phrase I used when I came back to this church in 2005 to be the senior pastor, the lead pastor. I've said this phrase more times in the first five years and I can't even remember, I can't even count how many times I said it because I need to say it over and over and over and over again. Here's the statement. The church was never designed to be a church club for church people. Now one yay, amen, all right? So I must need to say it some more. The church, the, the design was never to be a church club for church people. Thank you. Thank you. Because what happens is when we become an inward-focused church and we all are just consumed about ourselves and apathy rises, complaints rises, and we're not doing the mission that Jesus said. We have to reach more people for Jesus Christ. Reach the law so that they can meet Jesus as their savior. And then they also need to grow in the knowledge. That's where we get to know part. We have to know what does scripture say? What does the Bible teach? So that we know this. And then the following part is obedience. To then obey. It's great to be learned and have information. But we're not a follower of Jesus. We could be saved. We're not following unless we obey. That we obey God's word and the teachings of Christ in how to live at home, how to be a husband or a wife, and, and, and be, follow Jesus, how to, how to act at work, uh, what to do with our finances, you know, how to act out in the world. That's the actual following part of obedience. So when churches drift 
off course from their purpose, they lose their light in their community, they lose their influence, and they lose their reason for existence. Now, they may still have church services, but they'll eventually be dead because they're not doing what they were designed to do is to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Second question is to realign what are the sources for authority for a church? What's the power? Now, this is not power structure. This is not who you got to hire and you got to have this type of a leader and, and you have to have this in the Constitution. Okay, you need some of that stuff to be organized, but that's not what we're talking about. Where does the authority come in a church that is properly aligned, according to Scripture, to their purpose? It's the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Period. This is where we get our authority, our power. It's not what the pastor says. You shouldn't give a rip about what Barry thinks about anything. What's, don't amen that. Um, what's more, cons- more important is the power of the Holy Spirit being leading the leaders, leading the people, and the authority is also God's word. This is our final authority. So when we've had two worldview series in the last number of years, we've talked about filters. This is our filter. Everything must go through the word of God. And this must show up in the teaching, must show up in life groups, and must show in youth group, and children's ministry, et cetera, et cetera, because that's where the power is. The power to change lives is not cool stuff. It's not cool buildings or fun programs. I'm not saying that that's bad, But that's not where the power comes from, to change people's hearts and lives and families and marriages. That's where the power comes from. And as Jesus in John 17 is praying to the Heavenly Father before he goes back, you know, after a death and resurrection, he's praying to the Father for his disciples. It's like, Lord, help them to love each other, all right? Let the other people know that they love me because of how they love each other. And he also said, Lord, Or Father, sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. That's our authority, is the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now churches drift off their power, away from their power, when they become married to anything but the authority of the word of God and the Holy Spirit. They drift off and they begin to cling to programs and traditions. And churches that are clinging to programs and tradition over the word of God and the Holy Spirit's power or will cling to programs and traditions to the death of that church. But this is the way we've always done church. How dare you do anything different? I can't show you chapter and verse, but this is how church is done. And that church will eventually die. Why? There's no power. The power comes through the working of the Holy Spirit and the word of God as its source of authority. 
Now, let me be really clear here, all right? I'm not trying to step on toes, I think. But the longer you've been going to church, wherever your, whatever your church background is, the longer you've been going, the harder it is going to be for you to swallow what I'm going to share. That is true. Every program has an expiration date. Every ministry method has an expiration date. Every song has an expiration date. Some of you are like, now you're getting too personal, Pastor. All right? Every tool has an expiration date. I can just keep going. Everything in this room outside of the Word of God has an expiration date. Everything in the buildings that we have, I'm not sure I'm, Bob, I'm counting the modulars as part of our buildings. Uh, but, but everything we have and everything what we do has an expiration date except the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Because somebody had a great idea. I'm not saying they're bad. But somebody had a great idea years ago, hey, to help more people to come in and actually sit so they don't have to stand the whole service, let's build these wooden, someone came up with a weird word called pews. And then someone had another better idea, let's put foam and fabric so our butt doesn't hurt so much in church. And over the years, pews became sanctified. And it's not a church unless we have pews. Guess what? It has an expiration date. Chairs. Okay? Beats standing. Beats sitting on the ground. Robes. Someone had the idea. We should have like people singing in robes. Someone had a really stupid idea saying pastors should wear robes. And hundreds of years ago, and pastors should wear wigs. Thank the Lord that had an expiration date. <laughs> but that, oh, it's not a church. So let's, you know, this happens. No. Is the Holy Spirit there and the Word of God taught? That's where the power comes from. I'm going to say it again in a different way. It could be an ouch. Hymnals. Have an expiration date. How do I know this? Because we are not singing the Gregorian chants from the first century church. Songs change, style changes. You know what? This TV will have an expiration date. This table have an expiration date because pulpits also had an expiration date. And I know people that they won't go to a church unless there's a big old wooden pulpit. Really? But the word of God lasts forever. The Holy Spirit, that's where we get our power, from the Holy Spirit and the word of God. Now let's talk about how is the church structured. God, how did Jesus structure his church? What, what are the roles? Okay, we'll come back to that. Now we're in 1 Peter chapter 5. We read verse 1 through 4, and here's what Peter is saying through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He said this, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering 
who will also share in the glory to be revealed. This is what he's telling the elders. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Oh, don't miss this. Not lording it over those entrusted to you. Don't be one of those type of shepherds and leaders, lording it over people, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. It'll be worth it. It's hard, Those, that leadership position's hard, but it'll be worth it. You actually receive a crown of glory. So let's look at the roles, the, the, the main ones are mentioned in this passage. Okay, the first is elders, elders. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, first, whoops. First is chief shepherd, Jesus, all right, verse four. Doesn't matter how many elders you have, pastors, whatever we call them, Jesus outranks them all. He is, should be designed to be in the number one position. Jesus is in charge. He's the chief shepherd of his church. Then the second is the spiritual leaders in a church, and the word is elders. That doesn't mean old people, okay? Old people. If you're new to Bible study, the New Testament was written in the Greek language, and God designed it. I strongly believe that the Greek language would be the first writing, so the original manuscripts were written in Greek. Why? Because the Greek language is so descriptive. See, God said, I want people to really understand exactly what I'm talking about in the New Testament. Take the word love. We can say that word, but without explaining it to some completely foreign person, we, they don't, they'll be confused. I can say, I love my friends. And I can say, I love my wife. But I guarantee you, I love my wife in a completely different way than I love my friends. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay, although my wife was my best friend. I love my children. But I don't love them the way I love my wife. See, I'm saying the same English word, love, but you already know, because you live in this culture, what I'm talking about. But in the Greek language, this is why it's so important, there's the word love, that's phileo love, all right? That's a friendship type of love. So when I tell my friends, I love you, in Greek it would be I phileo you. Not fillet them, phileo them. <laughs> you are well done, get on this side. To my wife, it's an eros word. I, I love her intimately, all right? Sexually, that's where erotic comes from, is that eros word. I love my children, agape, agape, unconditional love. I love you, I love you when your diapers were so bad. I love you when you're in middle school and you're rolling your eyes and you think mom and dad are stupid. I still love you, you're stupid, but I, I didn't say that. <laughs> but I, I unconditionally love you. All right, now they're adults, and now they're, they're, two of them are, are parents themselves. 
Now they're starting to understand what unconditional love is when their children are driving them crazy. See how the difference? So when it comes to this word elder, episkopos, there's three words that explain what this role is. Okay, the word elder, episkopos. First of all, for for your notes, Elder is who they are. That, that's the role. That's the spiritual leader in the church. That's who they are. Then there's the word overseer. All right? Paul mentions elder several times here. He also He's talking about watching over the flock. That's overseeing. That's what they do. That's what they do. And then there's the word pastor. It actually comes from the word shepherd. To pastor the flock. That is how they do it. Tenderly, caring, loving, consistently, not lording it over, not being an idiot, you know. That's what that, how they are to be spiritual leaders. Now, our elder board has very clear job descriptions. They are to protect the truth. That's our our number one role, to protect the truth, right? Why? Because this is our authority, making sure what is taught all through our church is accurate to God's word. That, okay, that, that, that's, that's what they're doing. That's also overseeing. But it's also protect the truth, protect the mission and vision, and protect the pastors. Okay, the pa- pastors, uh, most of us are on the elder board. We're, we're uh, vocational elders. We get paid to be a pastor but we're also elders. So these three words in the Greek are talking about the same role of spiritual leadership in the church. Now I'm gonna step right into the number one controversy in America today with churches. I'm not stepping into it with fear, trepidation. I'm stepping into it based upon the authority of God's word. Every time in the New Testament, when referring to the role of elder, even overseer, even shepherd, it's in, in 1 Timothy, it's in Titus, it's in 2 John, 3 John, it's in Ephesians, it's in Acts. I mean, it's really talking about the church leaders, elders, every single time in the Greek word, it is in the male tense. Male tense, okay? That's the Greek language. When they're talking about females, it's in the female tense. So every time referring to this role, it is in the male tense. This is why. We're, it's, it's not sexist. It, it's not we're trying to, you know, keep the woman in, at bay or whatever. No, no, no. It's based upon our authority and it's God's word. Our culture is not our authority. Peer pressure is not our authority. So, at Grace Point Church, that is why in this role of spiritual leadership in our church, it is qualified godly men. That doesn't mean women are inferior. Absolutely not. Doesn't mean they're not needed. Absolutely not. Do you understand that, that we have... We have deacons and deaconess, that's, that's the Greek word diagonos, okay? There's male and female, and it means servant. It means servant. 
Let's actually go to this last one, uh, is servant leaders. Servant leaders is, is believers. That's why we have deacons who serve. Deaconesses, females that serve. But we also have women who lead in worship, women who lead in tech, women who lead other women, women who lead children. We have women leaders on youth staff. We are well, some of our key leaders with our church finances are women. We have godly women all through our church using their God-given gifts of servant leadership in our church. It started, the first church started that. You just read the book of Acts and all the women that played a vital role in the church in the first century. They were vitally important then, they're vitally important today at Grace Point Church. So let's, uh, it's always fun being controversial. But it's really not for me, it's just what God's word says. Um, I wanna read you Ephesians 4 as we're kind of landing this play. Now, what is our role? Because I look out and I see a lot of spiritual leaders, but are you engaged? Are you engaged? In Ephesians chapter four, it says, this is how the leaders need to lead. It says, and this is how Jesus set up his church. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, those were the disciples who saw Jesus that changed to apostles, and prophets, truth-tellers, evangelists, and pastors and teachers, to do what? To equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Why should we be mature? Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants, spiritual infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. There's a lot of sketchy teaching. That's why we need to keep growing in our faith based upon the word of God. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, from Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work meaning we are a body and everybody is needed and everybody has a place and everybody has a purpose for that as a body, we are working together in love, we're growing, we're building each up in maturity, we're not being tossed around by sketchy uh, teachings that are out there in our world today, but we're all working and connected together. So I'll go back to the central point. Every disciple is called to be an active participant in helping their church accomplish their mission to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. That means to be engaged consistently by physically attending whenever possible. The very word church means to gather. That, that was one of the things with COVID and everybody's, you know, for a while we, we weren't gathering for safety reasons, but then we went, wait a second, we got to go back to the design to actually physically gather. Now, not everybody can do that. And that's why we have a great tool called online. 
But if you are physically, I've talked to, to, to our people, I love you, but if you are physically able to physically come, you need to be here. If you cannot physically be here, then keep watching online. Saying that with all the love, because that's what church means, to gather. And not just show up, not just spectate, but to be engaged in worship, in greeting others. It's not just for guest services to be friendly. It's be friendly to people around you and, and say hello and how long you've been coming to Grace Point. Oh, you're new, let me you know, talk to you and thank you for being here. But also be engaged by consistently growing spiritually. That you're not only growing in our services, but you're growing outside these walls. We've got classes that start up in a few weeks and at men's groups, women's groups, teenage groups, discipleship, life groups. It also means being engaged financially, that you financially are participating in the work and the calling that God has called Grace Point to do. That is to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. That you are financially, faithfully, every time God blesses you with a paycheck, contributing. Serving. Helping children meet, know, and follow Jesus. You staff, helping students to meet, know, and follow Jesus. Helping men, women, all that. I mean, we have all sorts of places to serve so that people can meet, know, and follow Jesus. Uh, Verse 16 of Ephesians puts it so clear. From Jesus, the whole body, the whole church, this is how it should be, joined together, held together by every supporting ligament, everyone supporting and growing and building itself up in love as each part does what? It's work, not just the paid staff. It's if God has called you here, being connected. Now, let me ask you this question. You don't have to answer. If you were absent for a few weeks, would anybody miss you? So when we were smaller, I'd, I'd get these emails or phone calls and messages. I'm so offended. I've missed and no one reached out to me. If you were absent, would you be missed? I guarantee you, if you are engaged in serving, you would be missed. If you're consistent in your life group and you miss two meetings in a row, you would be missed. Why? Because you're connected. You're involved. You're engaged. You're participating. So here's how to set you up for success. In two weeks, we have what is called game day. Game day. It's a shorter service. It's fun. Wear your favorite jerseys, high school, college, professional. Just, just make sure they fit. You know, don't wear a high school jersey that should not go back on your body, okay? Whatever jersey. It's just fun. Start of the football season, but also it's the start of our ministry year. And you'll be challenged if here, here's opportunities for you to be engaged, to you be connected. There'll be life groups to sign up for ministry places, and we have lots of available needs in almost every single ministry. We're waiting for God's people to start being connected and contributing. 
two, a week after that, on September 17th, we have a, a membership class. We've gone public now. We have live membership classes. We had one in June, went over fantastic. We have another one on Sunday the 17th. You can go find our event page on our website and you can register. Here's the a, here's a thing. It, you'll find out who we are and how you fit. Who we are and how you fit. Some of you know who we are, but you don't know how you fit. Go to that class. There, there's a test you cannot fail. It'll show you, oh, God has gifted you in all these areas. That would be a really good fit over here in the church body. Who we are and how you fit. Even if you've been coming for years, if you've not officially become a member, we want to encourage you to join the team officially. If you're, watch, if you're watching in the stands, go team. Get off the stands, get down, on the, get down on the floor, get down on the field and join us. And here's several ways to do that. Disciples, making disciples. Things to know, more importantly, things to own. You can't make disciples if, unless you share what you know and what you own and you share. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for designing this thing called the church. And Lord, when we keep in alignment with scripture and the design of the church, you bless. We're healthier, we're more effective, we're fruitful. So Lord, I pray that your hand of blessing will continue on Grace Point and that more and more people would be actively participating in what you have called us to do is to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. We pray in advance that next ministry year would be the best ministry year this church has ever experienced because more people are participating in their role in the church you have called them to. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.